0: So hi everyone um after my 15 minutes of fame on linkedin which you and uh, i'm sure will ridicule me for for the rest of my life um i actually thought it would be interesting to have a chat uh, with you and about the cost of a bad hire so i uh, can't remember who it was uh in the comments but quite a few people actually asked like what is the actual cost of a bad hire how do you calculate it you know what are the Variables within that, um, so I thought maybe it'd be worth recording a quick ten-minute episode. If that, we we might run out of things to say quicker than ten minutes. But um, but yeah, so that's that's the purpose. Ewan, thanks for coming on at short notice.
1: Thanks, I'm excited to be on a special episode.
0: Special episode, go us. Um, so I mean, the best place to start is probably just talk about uh what is the cost of a bad hire we've now got somebody ringing on the doorbell brilliant start is that a ring doorbell um, no it doesn't sadly uh so the i think it was oxford economics or something like that did a study of the cost of a bad hire and they estimated that it was somewhere between 42,000 and 130,000 pounds um and that's predominantly made up of a few things so um recruitment costs up front, so agency fees, etc., uh management time to actually get through stuff, technology and uh opportunity cost for having the wrong person in the role itself. Um and all of those have a different kind of sway to it. I think the one thing that we can talk about the most uh is probably management time. I I would like to make a point before uh asking your experience of bad hires you and that bad everybody seems to think that i'm lambasting or that i have lambasted liz truss uh i just want to make it clear that it was clearly a joke and secondly bad hiring is not about the candidate it's not about the employer it's about the whole thing together actually just being not the right fit and and one of the main reasons that things aren't the right fit are a company mismanages expectations Uh, of a candidate or a company offers something that the candidate can't deliver or whatever it may be. And actually, if you look at the whole Liz Trust situation, she did exactly what she said she was going to do. So is it her fault that everything went completely wrong? Maybe, maybe not. That's somebody for somebody else to debate. But she did exactly what she said she was going to do in all of the hustings. She was selected for those reasons. uh, And clearly it turned out. Uh, not exactly how people had hoped. So the point is uh, that I guess I'm trying to make is bad hiring doesn't mean bad people, doesn't mean bad candidates. It doesn't mean bad companies. It just means the process that led to the hire didn't deliver on the results that people needed. Mm -hmm. So that's all I would just clarify up front. What's, um, like I said, I think the main thing that you've probably experienced is like lost management time and opportunity costs. What's your experience of that venue. So definitely
1: i can relate to those i think if we start with the lost management time there's obviously there's the time for interviewing up front and that's that's you know if you're doing 10 interviews essentially an hour for each interview if you do it in a traditional way that's 10 hours or nine hours lost obviously one candidate gets the job um so you're losing that time um, and the candidates are also losing an our reach, Then, when when the hire doesn't go well, you kind of have to write off all of that onboarding time, all of the you know the time trying to integrate them to the team, all the training time, um, which, from my perspective and my experiences, is not an insignificant amount of time. It's, um, it's I guess it, it puts the importance on on this whole piece around how do you find the right person in the first place. Um, but you don't often think about all that time um, when, when a bad hire leaves. It tends to be written off, but it's a significant amount of time that, um, yeah, you do feel, it. I think you, you really feel it. The other, the other interesting one, I suppose, that I would like to bring up in this conversation is around the actual, the, the impact that it has on the wider company. So not just us as individuals, hiring managers as individuals, but also the wider company, what the impact is on them, you know, in terms of the the other employees, the productivity of those employees, the morale of those employees. I think that's a really interesting part of the whole equation as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, I've seen it time and time again. I've I've done it myself. I'm not saying God. I'm not saying I'm perfect. and I've hired the right people, and the right people have worked for me. And I'm not saying I've been the right boss for other people. So it it happens quite a lot to a lot of people. And uh, and yeah, the the if you consistently hire the wrong people then the culture of the team can be incredibly damaged because Mm. actually the kind of trust and faith in in leadership and decision making ability and you know are we ever going to retain people etc it it obviously dissipates over time which is not not good and then people don't feel empowered they feel not very secure in their roles you know I'm sure the next p.m. Which I think we know is gonna be Rishi now, they're not gonna feel particularly secure in their role since yeah. we've had five in the last however many years, like three minutes it feels like.
1: Yeah. So
0: it's that kind of churn and turmoil that, that actually means it's just really bad for the overall business. I completely mm-hmm. agree. Um it's not I
1: guess what's interesting about it as well, that when when someone starts they're with you for a few months and then you leave it's not just like you go one step forward and one step back. You go like one step forward with the hire and then you go like multiple steps back because of all these other things that we just spoke about. Like obviously you've got the mm. lost time of getting them into, the, into that role. You've then got all the, you know, the lost time in the role on boarding, but then you've got all that loss of productivity and, and impact on and morale. So I think you go multiple steps back rather than just one step back, one step forward.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I also think just from a, uh, if you flip it on its head completely, again, this is just leaning on the comments that we had on this ridiculous post that 3.6 million people have had impressions on, which I just find ridiculous. Um, the, the Somebody was talking about uh, looking at a candidate's experience and how short amount of time they've been in a job. Like, The cost of a bad hire does not just stop with the organization. It absolutely goes to the person that, that, you know, was in the wrong place or at the wrong time, right? And they leave the organization. They've got three months on their their CV at some random place, and they're going to be questioned about it for a very long time. So it's something that, again, organizations need, need to take super seriously and need to really learn from bad hiring, decisions, like what in the process did they do right or wrong? I think one of the things I, I really love about what we do is that in both scenarios, you can look back, you know, Whereas like a telephone interview, which is a subjective process where you go 9.00 AM and then three to 5.00 PM. And the one that happens in the morning is totally different to the one in the evening, at least in our world using Willow, you can actually go back six months and say, who did we hire? What did they say that was good in this part of the process? You know, what did we like about them? What, what behaviours and characteristics did they show us? And then how do we replicate that again and again? Um, and equally, if we made the wrong hire, you know, what went wrong, basically? Yeah. What, what, what should have been the red flags for both parties? What in the process did, you know, we say in our introduction video that maybe didn't align to actually what this person needed to do on a day to day basis or wasn't clear about the fact that we're a startup or whatever it may be so it's, it's super interesting the uh, the just the reaction is is very interesting in itself and the uh, the debate between like whose whose fault is it i'm not saying it's anybody's fault i'm saying actually it's it's kind of everybody's fault like you know what needs to be improved so candidates don't talk rubbish in interviews to get a job and what needs to be improved so that organizations don't sell a dream that doesn't exist, you know, or vice versa. Um, And how do you test skills potential rather than just, you know, oh, what have you done before? Sounds great. Mm -hmm. Agreed. So um, have uh, have you seen any true horror stories? for either party, anything like the current state of the Conservative hiring policy?
1: No, I think the, <laughs> the true horror story is exactly what the Conservatives have done, where you not only made the wrong hire once, you made the wrong hire multiple times. Uh, I think that's probably like what you were just saying a minute ago, where you don't learn from your mistakes. Uh, Ex-interviews yeah. are quite an interesting solution to, to this problem as well. Mm. Exit interviews really allow you to shine a light on what exactly you know went wrong in the whole hiring process. Especially if it's like they've only been in the business for a few months, the exit interview can be really relevant to mm. the hiring process because it will still be it'll be reflecting on a lot of the things that have just happened, you know, through onboarding and selection process and things. Uh, but I haven't seen any per- personally any you know horror stories, but I think the the horror stories are really where you know, businesses don't learn from those mistakes and they just continuously try and fill the wrong person into the wrong role over and over
0: again. Yeah. yeah. What would be, um, what do you think would be your top tips to kind of avoid a bad hire?
1: Uh, well, the, the one that you just mentioned is my favourite one, which is don't try and sell a dream. I see that way too often where employers want to sell this dream role and then the candidate joins, and then within the first few days, the reality of that dream don't quite line up with what the what the expectations were at the start, and and then all you end up with is is you know this like expectation of here, reality here, and they never quite meet in the middle. No matter how hard the employer yeah. and the candidate try, they've missold the job, and I think that is probably one of the key things that should not happen. Um, if you're going to try and avoid bad hires is make sure that what what the business is, is actually putting out there in terms of job description and then you know follow up conversations and expectations is the reality of the job. You know if, if you're going to be yeah. expecting that person to do you know potentially routine tasks over and over again tell them those routine tasks don't tell them that every day is going to be a different day and it's all mm. you know fun and interesting every single day if it's not um, because <laughs> You're just going to find the wrong person for the wrong role, and and what's interesting about that as well is that it might be you might think to you know yourself that so that's not a sexy part of the job, so you remove it from the job description. But to the mm. candidate that's perfect for that job, that might be one thing that they
0: want. They love they really it. They want consistency. Yeah,
1: exactly. Uh, so you're kind of you're you're putting your own biases into a job description sometimes, and then, then influencing yeah. the actual expectation um, based yeah, around the job that you totally think you love. It. It's really strange.
0: Yeah, well, it's 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 like proximity bias to what you basically want to do, right? As opposed yeah. to what does it, what what do we need the person to do when they're in the job? Yeah, not not like how do I get somebody that I really like for yeah. this role? Yeah, it might, be, might be, be that the person's polar opposite to you, but that makes them the best person for the job. Yeah. Um, so that's yeah, it. I think I think I, that that's definitely a big tip that I would. Also agree with like it 's usually mismanaged expectations one way or another, mm-hmm. basically, like in pushing candidates fairly hard in in interviews to just be as honest and actually just in put not pushing them because that doesn 't work, but pulling them um, to be more honest and and you know showing how honest you 're willing to be about the role and trying yeah. to tease out of them any reservations that they 've got. I think the other thing uh, about you know people making the wrong hire is trying to enable a diverse panel assessment at some point, because again, it's gonna conscious, it's gonna challenge your sort of unconscious and conscious bias um, to those individuals. But again, things that we can learn maybe from the situation is uh, if your panel looks, sounds, acts, believes exactly the same as you do, then you're probably gonna end up with the same kind of person Um, that you've had consistently uh, in the past. Whereas actually, if you can assemble a more diverse thinking, a more diverse background of panelists before then interviewing the candidate uh, or reviewing the candidate, depending on how you do it, then you're going to get better outcomes. And I I don't believe that you should have to make all these decisions by consensus but if you are going to make a consensus decision at least make sure that that consensus is not built on people that look act have the same background you know are basically the same person because that's not a consensus that is just agreeing with people that are the same as you so i do that And, and then i think the other thing is companies sometimes i know it's i know it sounds almost counterintuitive but during the period after offer to onboarding or just as you're kind of getting into onboarding, mm-hmm. again, you need to not stop interviewing the candidate, not stop letting the candidate be honest with you and say, look, this is where we're up to, this is the job, this is how difficult it's going to be. These are maybe the bits that we didn't tell you about originally, because you're much better off at least finding out that it's, it's a bad match yeah. you know, in day three then you are actually finding out and trying to hold on to that hope for, you know, three to six months and that opportunity costs morale, et cetera. Whereas if you, if you just constantly check the alignment between you and your candidates Mm -hmm. from start date to onboarding um, and then, you know, beyond, you're going to have a much better chance of uh, getting the right people to stick. Um, So yeah, that would be, that'd probably be my, two pence with anything else you'd add Uh, i think
1: an interesting one recently around expectations is it's remote working um hybrid slash office promise we see a lot of job descriptions pushing remote working as the the working style and then the person starts and the reality is not remote working and it's actually just a ploy to attract people and then it's actually a hybrid or or it's a full-time office role and i think that goes back to this setting expectations from the very start um i know it's just one specific thing but it's quite a common theme at the moment so i guess it's worth talking about it's just yeah gotta be real up front because it's not gonna it's not gonna magically solve itself when the person starts it might even be you know they, they accept the role they're then there for two years, but for that entire two years, that might just be eating away at them that yeah. this false expectation of remote working was planted in their exactly. mind at day one. And people don't just like let go of things as well. They could be like a small thing that just eats away forevermore at that person. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they've maybe made plans to work remotely. They maybe like started making wilder plans to maybe move abroad or do something. And then all those things have been shut down. Um, they might not be leaving straight away, but they might just eat away at them until they do leave. so I think yeah. just trying to be upfront about everything and be like as bare and as honest as possible at the start is is the right thing to do
0: particularly yeah, which around is like
1: really, things like that
0: which is a lot easier said than done, especially Actually, if you're in you know if you're in a large corporate organization and you've got governance and you know all of this stuff, and you know I think one of the common things is like you have a challenge as a business uh, in a certain thing. And, and maybe, you know, somebody's written about it on Glassdoor. The worst thing you could do is ignore it. Actually, yeah. The best thing you could do is say, look, we, we're aware of it. This is what we're doing. Yeah. Uh, and the worst thing you can do is say that we're aware of it. This is what we're doing. And that'd be a load of rubbish. Yeah. And you're just lying to try and overcome it. So you do actually have to, you know, live and breathe the changes that you're trying to make and, and, Uh, I think again that comes from things like exit interviews, as you mentioned. That would probably be my final point: is if you're not if you're not reviewing the process, if you're not understanding why people are leaving, if you're not understanding why people aren't succeeding within your business, you know, and you find that it's a common error, Mm -hmm. uh, then it's totally up to you to figure out why that's not working. It's not up to the candidates; it's up to the, the the hiring managers, the leaders of the organization, to get that information out and improve it um
1: final thing just before we go on exit interviews actually exit interviews don't have to be scary face-to-face interviews with people Mm
0: -hmm. because that's
1: i think that's what a lot of people get put off by they don't want to sit in front of someone on their last day and ask them questions but an exit interview doesn't need to be like that it could be a simple you know email with a bunch of questions in it or it could be yeah. a form, like, you know, a lot of people use a form, we we use a form sometimes and the candidate can then fill it in or the, yeah. the employee can fill it in. Or even use a willow and actually have them record some answers Absolutely. in a willow. Those those things obviously reduce some of the stress and anxiety around doing exit interviews.
0: Yeah. Well, I think the again this is a it really has been an insight into British culture. But, um, in the post people were talking about blame culture and stuff. And, and obviously it was a joke, number one, uh, and number two, I again, I'll reiterate, I wasn't blaming her for being a bad hire. She did exactly what she said she was going to do. I agree with it again, not commenting on that. Um, but the, the, the funny thing is about, um, exit interviews and I've been in these horrendous exit interviews is people do look for something to blame rather than something to learn from. Mm-hmm. Like it's why are you leaving? Not what could we do better? Mm-hmm. And if they're your exit interviews, you need to change them immediately. Yeah. Uh, because it's just not, it's just not worth it. You're going to get nothing from it except for everybody's going to leave the room angry at someone. Yeah. <laughs> so what's the point? Um, we have a good blog on might... in exit
1: interviews. There's a good blog on on the Willow blog about exit awesome. interviews. awesome!
0: Yeah, we'll put that we'll put that down below. Um, obviously, I'm a linkfluencer now, so that's the kind of stuff you meant to say. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, thanks for your time, Ewan. As always, thanks. Catch that up. was a fun special episode. Yeah, it was. Maybe we should do more of these intermittent. Yeah. Just. Yeah founder chats but there you go thanks for listening everyone hope it was helpful